Welcome to the inner world of filmmaking. I'm your host, Tammy McGarrow. I'm a writer, director, editor, and a podcast producer. In this show, I will interview filmmakers in all facets of production and distribution. On this episode, we're talking about actors getting out of their comfort zone through improv. I'm excited to have the founder and artistic director of Improv City, Devin Dugan, who has over 25 years of improv experience and has performed, taught, and trained with numerous troops across the country, including the National Comedy Theater, the Second City of Hollywood, Comedy Sports, Comedy City, and Idiot Central, just to name a few. He has written the successful novelty book, Improvers Drawing Stick Figures, and is an award-winning screenwriter. Welcome, Devin. So happy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So let's start with what got you into stand-up and improv and which one came first? They actually kind of happened at the about the exact same time. I had always loved comedy, wanted to do something comedy related. I went to college in Northern Michigan University. I was back after graduating, visiting some of my friends who were attending University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, where I'm from, Green Bay. And there was a comedy sports show going on that night in the uh, auditorium. We walked by, popped in, it was like the second to last part of the show, and we're watching it, and one of the guys on stage is like, hey, we're going to have auditions coming up uh, tomorrow night, if anybody wants to audition. And my friend turns to me and goes, hey, you you should totally go and audition for this. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I said, okay, I'll see. And I did. I showed up the next night. Uh, it was uh, in some weird, scary hallway above some former dance hall place. It was really creepy. Uh, I showed up, and I was, was uh, 20s, early 20s at my time. And the other people who showed up, uh, one was, uh, and again, not just when you're 20, it's weird when you're like in your young 20s, someone who was like 50 and someone who was like 60. And that was the only other people who showed up. And I'm like, what is this? Uh, and then the guy comes out, starts talking to us, and starts teaching us zip, zap, zop. And I'm like, what is this stuff? So it was weird. I was like, I don't think this is going to be for me. And he's like, well, come see a show this weekend, uh, and you'll see how it all plays out. So I went to see a show and yeah, it was fantastic. And that was it. And then while I was there, I also happened to be able to start doing stand up there. I was I actually started hosting an open mic there and some other places around the area. So it, it really just kind of all fell together at the same time. Wow, that's great. And then I know that stand up is more rehearsed than improv. What's your process of coming up with your comedy bits? I mean, do you write every day or no, not anymore. I mean, I, ret- I actually retired from stand-up about 2007, so I haven't really done stand-up like in, in many years. Uh, improv was kind of always my first love. I loved stand-up as well, too. Uh, when I was doing stand-up, though, I I wrote uh, a lot. I mean, even now, like, I write, you know, because I'm a writer as well, so uh, I've always enjoyed the writing process. Um, but I would always try to write new material. That was one of the things about me. I didn't like other comics that would just have, like, their solid 15 minutes, and they would never write another joke. I'm uh, like, guys, you got to have like new stuff. So I was always coming up with new material because I figured it's how it keeps you fresh. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I think it's perseverance too. I mean, you can't give up, you know, when the going gets tough. And let's talk about hecklers. <laughs> Every comedian has probably had a heckler and maybe even imp- improv as well. And I'm sure that improv helps you. How did you deal when you were doing comedy or even in improv? How do you deal with people that heckle? I was always one of these comics. Uh, actually, a lot of other comedians hated following me because I was actually one of these comics that broke from the norm because I think because of my improv background, I actually liked talking to the audience a lot. And I, I was able to talk to the audience and get right back on my you know, my material and get right back to the audience. And I loved incorporating the audience into my stand-up act. 
other comics didn't like do that. They just do their acting it off stage. And the bad part was when I would leave, audiences then are like, oh, we can talk to the comics. So every other comic who came up after me, they just thought, oh, we could just talk to them throughout the set. So comics always hated following me uh, because I kind of like got the audience used to talking to the comics. And I never, I didn't really mind hecklers at all. I got a heckler. I was, I was really good at shutting them down. So, uh, in fact, I did a show one time. I, I remember this, and I was supposed to be like, I don't know, in the middle of the set. And there's this one guy who was at this bar, just kept heckling every comic to the point where the comics couldn't even do the material. And the lady who booked the show came up to me, knowing how good I was at handling hecklers, and says, "Hey, Devin, uh, would you mind just? I'm sorry, I'm supposed to headline. That's what it was." And she said, "Hey, would you mind going up now?" Uh, and not headlining because we got to get this guy shut down. And I said, sure. And I went on stage and I just, I just destroyed that guy. In fact, I ended up getting him kicked out of the bar. And then I convinced the uh, bartender to call the cops. The cops actually showed up and there's a window behind us. And you can see the whole thing happening is the guy was getting arrested because apparently he had all this like illegal drugs on him at the time. And I'm just doing, a, oh my God. I'm just doing a play by play in front of the window where the whole audience was just dying. It was fantastic. It was a great, great night. So yeah, uh, I never really minded hecklers. I was able to handle them pretty well. Well, I mean, how do, you know, just for other people that are doing stand up, what would be your suggestions to dealing with a heckler? Call them on their stuff, put them, put them on the spot, flip it around. Insulting them just kind of just gets them going back and forth with you. I've always find it better to just like make them you know, put up or shut up. This one time there was, I was at the comedy store doing a set and this guy was just whatever. And I said, Hey pal, I said, just so you know, I said, my set's going to end here in about five minutes and I know exactly where you're sitting. So I can't wait to come over there after I'm done with myself. And then maybe you and I can go outside and we can have a little talk. The guy literally got up in the set and just walked out the room and everyone just applauded. So sometimes you, you just call them on their stuff. Most of the people who heckle, they just think they're funny. But as soon as you put the spotlight back on them, they, they shut up. And do you think that maybe alcohol has a lot to do with it too? Uh, that and just people being rude. <laughs> Not, yeah. you know, again, yeah. I think just people who think they're funnier than the comics or they, they are trying to impress someone that they're there with and it just makes them look like a jerk. What made you want to open up Improv City? I never actually did want to open up Improv City. That all happened by accident. People ask me that all the time. I'm like, I never planned to you know an artistic director or own my own club. I was working some crappy day job while um, doing stand-up and improv at night. I was in Second City. I was driving down to San Diego, LA. I was going all over the place. And I had lost my day job through like layoffs or whatever. And my wife says, hey, you know what? You're doing a lot of improv. Why don't you just get some people together that you know and teach them some improv? Just have some fun. I'm like, all right. So I just grabbed some people I knew. Like at this coffee shop I used to go to all the time. I said, hey, anybody want to just get together one night and just I'll teach you some improv stuff? And that was in March of 2009. And we did that for a few months. It was just fun. And then July comes around. I said, hey, you know what? We're not too bad. You guys want to do this for fun? Let's just for fun. Let's just do one show. Let's just do a show for friends and family. And everyone's like, okay, we did it. And everyone loved it so much. They're like, hey, let's do another one next month. And again, just never planning on it to be anything. One month doing a show, a month turned into doing a show once a, you know, once every other week to once a week to you know, one show on Friday, one show on Saturday to two Saturday shows, to two Friday shows to a Thursday to a Sunday. And then you know, eventually we got our own theater. So it's really, it's, it's been kind of surreal. Again, nothing I had ever thought about happening just kind of fell into my lap, which is a, uh, people probably get mad when they say that, but it's, it's true. It's like, I just, I've been very fortunate and very lucky. And, and, and I realize that and I appreciate that. And I always try to help other improvisers or people out there within the field as well, too, because I know how lucky I've been. Yeah. Well, sometimes I guess the path comes to us. Yeah. I, I think that's really what happened. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm and I'm passionate about it. I love it. There's really nothing I'd rather do. So I 
have often heard that improv gets you out of your comfort zone and it's good for actors to take improv to help them. What are the benefits for actors doing improv? Oh God, there's so many benefits to it. I mean, number one, I mean, just being realistic nowadays, there's no agent or manager who's even going to look at you if you don't have improv on your resume. They want you to be able to do improv. And the biggest thing I think for an actor is that improv, you know, you learn how to portray characters in improv and you also learn how to react naturally to situations because improv is all reactionary. It's, you can't do improv alone. It's you reacting off of what else somebody else said. And it teaches you how to react, pick, pick a choice and go with it. And actors are always told to go, Hey, just make a choice with this character. And those are the two biggest fundamentals I think it takes away. But I think it also just gives people the, the ability to not be in their head, to learn how to, to work as a team, learn how to listen, which is also a huge part of acting. You know, a lot of times people are so busy running their own lines in their head. They don't even hear what the person across from them is saying. So it, it's just, it's, it's so fundamental to actors. I mean, really, it's fundamental to anybody. I think anybody in the world should should take improv. I think it should be taught in every school as an elective. It teaches so many life skills. Right. And I think, you know, even like if you're scared of public speaking, this is a good place to, to go because it gets you out of your comfort zone and you're amongst other people as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It teaches public speaking, teamwork, not being afraid to fail, everything. Yeah. So when I think of improv, I usually think of comedies. Is it good for a dramatic actor to take improv? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because again, it, it, improv is, is the comedy aspect kind of comes through because as, as people watch improv, you know, a lot of people are thinking whose line is it anyway? That's the one that's kind of set the standard for right. stuff. But there's there's a lot of dramatic improv that's happening all over. There's, you know, there's, there's troops that only focus on dramatic improv because improv really is just acting, but without a script is all it is. You're, you're a character, you're in a situation, you're responding to the situation. And a lot of times those situations feel comedic to the audience because they're relatable. Uh, but really, if you were to break it away from like, like you're doing as they say, you and I are doing an improv scene and the scene is about the, you and I breaking up or we're, we're pretending to be a couple and we're breaking up. And, you know, uh, I cheated on you and, and you cheated on me. We're just, we just realized that we hate each other. Like if you were sitting next to this couple in real life, you'd be like, Oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. I want to walk away from this restaurant. But at an improv show, it's hilarious. The premise is so funny because it's relatable people know people who are like that it becomes unfunny situations become funny so comedy lends itself well to improv but it can also be very dramatic as well too depending on how how it's marketed how it's performed yeah so you're the author of improvers drawing stick figures so how did you come up with the book and what's it about yeah, I, um, I, I don't know if I'd say author. I guess I'm the author. I'm more of a collaborator. Uh, I put the book together. I had this idea because improvisers are improvising all the time. Mm-hmm. And I had this idea. Wouldn't it be interesting to see if we just gave people a piece of paper and a pen and said, you know, because everybody can draw a stick figure. I, I even I, I'm terrible at art. I draw a stick figure. I get like three legs. It's that bad. But I can still draw one. And everybody can draw a stick figure. I said, hey, what if we just gave improvisers uh, across the country, even some internationally, a piece of paper and a pen and say, sit down draw anything you want, anything at all. The only rule is there has to be a stick figure somewhere in the drawing. And everybody did it. We had a great collaboration. Even Greg Proops from Whose Line is in the book. Uh, we got a whole lot of famous people in it and like just people from all over the country. And they sent me the stuff and I put the book together. And some of the drawings are just awful. <laughs> God awful. Like, wow, we are not. A- and some of them, like they should be like in the Louvre. They're just, they're so incredibly dis- detailed. It's incredible. But it's just kind of a cool concept I had to say, just improvise a stick figure drawing. 
and it became kind of a little uh, successful novelty book, which is kind of like a coffee table book. One of the cool things is too, when we originally had launched it, we gave all the proceeds to the uh, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation too. This is we just donated them all oh, wow. to that too, as a kind of a charity thing. So it was, yeah, it was, it was a whole cool kind of a little idea just I had, and uh, it just it was just it's a fun little project. <laughs> yeah, as you were describing the book, it, it made me think of if you have to have a stick figure in it, it's like uh, you have this really great artist. They do uh, this person looking at artwork, but everything is great except for the art, which is a stick figure. And they're like, <laughs> "Wow, this is amazing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many cool ideas, and, and yeah, and every every picture is so different from the other ones too, which is just really cool to see people's interpretation of what they wanted to do. Yeah. So uh, you're also a multi-award winning screenwriter. Um, how many screenplays have you written and how many have become films? Uh, uh, I don't know how many I've written. I mean, I've written a lot. I mean, the ones that have been good, uh, I've written uh, the ones I'm most proud of. I say I have four feature length screenplays that I've written. I'm working on a fifth right now. Those are the, and the four that are, those are the ones that are kind of gone through lots of festivals, both uh, nationally and internationally have won tons of awards top honors and stuff. I've written some short films as well, too. Uh, many of the short films, uh, we got, we've gone ahead and we've produced, we've made films out of them. Haven't had any of the feature ones done yet. I am in talks with some people to get one of them done. I can't talk too much about it right now because we literally just started the process of it. You know how that works. Yeah, yeah but things are... Uh, I, I'm continuing to write and just hoping one of these days we get one of our, my features out there. Uh, luckily, again, it's got a lot of accolades that it's been getting and making some attention around the film festival circuit. So that helps. Yeah. And then with your short films, did you direct them as well? Uh, almost all of them I did. Yeah. Actually, my most recent one, I did not direct. I had a friend of mine direct it. Uh, and that's actually hitting, it's going through the film festival circuit right now. It's called Make Your Bed. It's kind of a set like in the mid 1800s. It's kind of a, I guess I'd call it, a, it won best horror at one of the film festivals. I don't know if I'd call it a horror, uh, but I guess it, it's, it's kind of a, uh, yeah, but it's 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 good. It's it's um, I, I didn't direct that one. Most of the other ones I have directed, though. Yeah. Can is there a place that people could go find them and watch them? Uh, I there is actually the director finally put it up on his website. I, I people have been asking me too. Some of the film festivals have put it up on their websites. Uh, if you search for it, you could probably find it. Eventually, uh, I'm going to release it through YouTube as well too. I just haven't had the time to do it yet. But now that it's, it actually premiered at the Man's Chinese Theater in Hollywood, which is pretty cool. We had the premiere oh, wow. there, so that was nice. Yeah. That's really great. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's a lot to now. Do you write every day? I try to. Uh, that's my goal. Uh, do I every day? No. Sometimes you know, uh, life gets in the way and you get busy with other stuff. But I really do try to. It's just therapeutic for me. See, my problem is when I sit down and I start writing, the next thing I know, like six hours have gone by. I'm like, oh, the day is gone. So I really try to like take a block of time and set it aside to, to do it. But I do try to every day. So um, you've written for TV and film. How is it writing for TV versus film? Uh, it's just the matter of the episodes are shorter, I guess. It's more the longer stuff. I, I prefer like the, the, the film scripts. I like that. It just allows me to create a full one story the, the show that i did which was the sam and sadie show it was just one season we did like six six episodes i think we filmed eight i think we shot six aired and it was just fun it was just but every episode was just its own standalone story i guess so it was fun it's just it's it's harder actually i feel to write a a tv uh episode because you have to compact so many things into one one short time period and then even more gets cut out as you're doing it and stuff. So it's the film stuff is much easier for me, at least. I know some people would probably go the opposite way, but I like 
I like writing the longer scripts. I'm a storyteller. (laughs) Right. So how do you get inspired by the ideas for your films? Like, could you talk about one of the films and, you know, what was it about and what inspired the story? Yeah, actually, we've had um, a couple of different, I'm trying to think of, um, uh, well, like a short form or like one of our, my, my, my longer, I guess. It was... Your feature films. Oh, like the screenplay, you mean? Uh, like... Yeah. I'll talk about the first one that I kind of wrote. It was called Rodeo Rock Record Shop. And I'm, I'm kind of a, I like to say music connoisseur, but probably most people would say music snob. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I just love music, all those genres of music. And one of my favorite films is the film High Fidelity. I love that movie. Uh, the book was fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. And it was it, that kind of inspired me. And I kind of wrote a story similar to that, uh, based off of just these two guys who, well, who love music. And the one guy has failed at every aspect of the music industry. He just wants to be in the music industry so bad. He was a DJ. He tried learning guitar. He was a roadie. He did everything. Uh, and finally, he just gets to the point where like, okay, well, I can't make it in the music industry. So I'm just going to try to date someone who's in the music industry. So that's the whole story. It's him oh, wow. trying to get this girl who's in a band. Yeah. So so just kind of an idea like that. They kind of just come to me. I don't know. I, I have a lot of ideas in my head for these stories. And then when I sit down and write them out, they just kind of just, they just kind of fall out. Now, are they mostly comedies, or do you write in all genres? Uh, I do all genres, yeah. Uh, Rodeo Rock Record Shop was a, was a comedy. I wrote another comedy, which is going around the film festival right now, called No One Will Know Me. That one's won the most awards of any script I've written. But then I also have one called The uh, the Secret Bloodline, which is kind of in the vein of the Da Vinci Code. It's like a, a mystery thriller. And I have another one I just finished, uh, my most recent one called Inviolable which is a very dark film about uh, a young girl who's just had a really rough past. We'll just put it that way. And and her coming to terms with, um, despite everything that's happened to her in her life, she's still, she's not a reflection of the things that happened to her. She's more than that kind of a thing, but it's a pretty heavy dark play. Actually, when we did some, we did some uh, read throughs of it, the cast was even like, Ooh, it's a really good script, but Ooh, it's, it's heavy. So um, yeah, I kind of write in all genres. Comedy is my, my favorite, but I just, you know, Whatever the story that pops in my head, I want to get out. I just get out. Now you're you're also a teacher. I mean, you teach improv, teach comedy. Do you teach writing? Do you help other writers with their scripts? I don't teach writing, but I have helped other people who have scripts. People will send me some stuff sometimes. Say, hey, can you look at this? Give me ideas or uh, stuff. And I have done that. I'll be honest. I'm not a big fan of doing that. I don't mind giving feedback on something, but I'm. It's, I don't like to give too much because it's like i feel like it's their creation and i think if somebody else comes in and says well i think you should go this direction or this direction and i feel like you're taking away their idea i I don't again feedback is good but i think if you get too much into the teaching aspect you're giving them too much feedback and putting your ideas into their story and i think their job as the writer is to flush out the idea that they want to convey to the reader right with improv city how did you handle the shutdown with covid Oh God, I hated it so much. <laughs> it was tough. Um, yeah, yeah. We we actually um, there was about three different times through that whole two year period where I was like, well, time to email everybody, tell them we're just folding up, we're done. It, it was really really rough. We ended up doing Zoom shows over it for about a year and a half, almost two years, and I uh, I hated every minute of it. I the Zoom shows with improv just is is terrible. It's so rough. I absolutely hated it. But you got to do it. You got to try to keep the business going and. Luckily, we had enough of a fan base that people were still tuning in and they'd give donations every so often. I mean, we were really just trying to survive off of donations. It was it was pretty rough. 
because um, we still had like you know bills to pay and stuff like that. So we were just one of the fortunate ones that made it through. I mean, if you even look up in Hollywood, like UCB, gone. Second City, gone. They didn't come back, and like those are like the big big dogs. So like we were very fortunate to to make it through that. And a lot of the credit goes to you know the members of the cast that stuck through and and uh, helped make it work, and to my wife as well, who's you know another one of our artistic directors here. So it, it was a collaboration that really just helped us get through. And when did you reopen? We reopened at our new location. Actually, we ended up getting a new location. It was our first show was July 2nd of last year was when we had our, our first general public show. again. So tell me about like what goes on. You have people that want to learn improv. Do you have like a set of actors that are like, they come on every Saturday night and we're looking forward to them or how does it work? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. The way improv, I mean, every improv troupe is obviously different. The way improv city runs is we have shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and it's split into two different casts. We have a Thursday, Sunday cast. Those guys perform on Thursdays and Sundays. And then we have a Friday, Saturday cast, which we, we kind of call it our main stage cast. It's like our our Friday, Saturday cast, uh, people who've been doing it a little bit longer and more experienced and stuff. Uh, and our Thursday Sunday cast is a little, I don't want to use the term newer, but people who are still like learning the formats of our improv city, our games, our formats, learning how to host specifically the style that we want them to do and stuff. And then eventually we, we, you know, we bring them up to the Friday, Saturday cast. So, but there's a, there's about an average, there's about 25 people in each cast. So about, you know, 50 people total. Every show usually features six performers and a host and it just rotates through each weekend, you know, based on people's availability and things like that. As far as classes go, we offer classes as well. We have a drop-in class every Monday night. We also offer like level classes, like a 101, a 201, a 301, just for basic improv. We've offered long-form classes. We even have some classes in the future. We're going to offer like stand-up classes, sketch comedy classes, a whole bunch of different stuff we have planned. We're still, even though COVID's been, you know, you know, reopened for a while, we're still in the process of getting back to full strength, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the improv classes, one, two, three, what graduates you to the next level and then to the next level? And how does it change? Uh, each course is uh, eight weeks long, taught by one of our Friday, Saturday cast members. And each course focuses on a s- certain thing. Like 101 is obviously just the fundamentals of improv, the basics of improv. 201 is more of a scene study, you know, learning how to make a scene work, things like that. Level three is, is really more character development. A little bit of focusing slowly getting in the long form, but it's mostly focusing on characters and like developing a character with a backstory and all these different things. Going from the next level is just basically as long as you, you know, you've attended the classes, haven't missed more than, you know, two classes, been on time and stuff like that, you can pretty much just get to the next level. Yeah, well, that's really exciting, especially for actors, because scene development, or, you know, making a scene work and also uh, character development. Wow. I mean, that's going to give you a lot for maybe focusing on your scripts looking at it in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we actually, we just started a new one-on-one class. We just put it up. So it's, it's going to start in about three weeks. So if anybody's listening, go sign up. It's a great tool. And we do get a lot of action. We get people actually come down from LA, come from San Diego, everywhere to take the classes. So it's, it's really good. So what would you say to an actor about getting involved in improv? Like to say, you should do this. Yeah, that's literally what I would say. I would literally say, you should do this. I mean, that 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 sums it up right there. You should do this. And they ask why, I'll say, because if you really want to be, you know, an actor or an actress, again, like I said earlier, you have to have 
improv on your resume. No one's even going to look at you uh, or unless they really, really like you. And then once they sign you, they're going to go make you take an improv class. So either way, you're not going to get through it without some type of improv background. Well, and I think it helps with like, I'm, I'm thinking about when you're shooting a scene and somebody, something happens that's out of the norm that to just go with it versus go laugh or get taken out. And then we have to cut and start again. If you can flow with it, it actually could be a really good scene. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of TV shows. I mean, like if you look at like Curb Your Enthusiasm, that show's pretty much all improvised. They give them and say, here's where we want you to start the scene. Here's where we want you to end the scene. Go, you know, and they just film it. And they take the best parts of it. There's a few other uh, TV shows that have kind of operated the, the same way. And yeah, improv is, is huge. And a lot of, um, TV shows, especially comedies now, I think they encourage actors to like say, well, here's the script, do what you want, but make it your own and go a little off script if you want to, because it makes it more natural almost feeling. Yes. Yeah. What are you up to now? Uh, 5'11". Uh, <laughs> what is 5'11"? I'm sorry. I must be stupid. What is 5'11"? Uh, uh, you said, what am I up to? I'm like, oh, that's my height, 5'11". Oh, 5'11". <laughs> Yeah, terrible. Oh, no, no, that's good. That's good. Uh, right now, like I say, I actually, uh, I started work on a new screenplay recently. I'm about maybe 14 pages in on the first draft. I usually do at least seven drafts of a screenplay. I'll write the first one, do a read-through, revise. So I'm working on that. Um, I have another one of my screenplays. Like I said, I'm, I'm in talks with some people about something, hopefully getting it to the next step. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, and um we have that going on, uh, doing improv every weekend, a lot of private shows, a lot of teaching and stuff. So uh, definitely keeping busy, that's for sure. Is there anything else you'd want to talk about? Uh, I just, if people want to just visit you know, Improv City, our website is improvcityonline.com. Feel free to go visit. Uh, we are available for classes. Uh, we also do private shows too. So people are planning like their upcoming holiday party or you know, whatever they want to have some entertainment, reach out to us. We will travel to you. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time and being on the show today. Oh, it's been fantastic. Thanks for having me. I love it. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to get out there and make a film. Reach out to your local filmmakers group to get involved and connect. Please subscribe to the show if you like it and follow me on Instagram at Tammy McGarrow. Until we meet again, what's your story?